When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Drive Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmark, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. Yes, a very good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Drive. Great to have your company. Uh, you can join us any time on the Tempera Bedshed text line 0487 736 736. Bedshed, experts in temper mattresses, pillows and adjustable bases. Check the range of temper products in store or visit bedshed.com.au or you can jump on the Scarborough Toyota open line. The number to call is 13 12 They buy all makes and models there at Scarborough Toyota. They also service all makes and models as well. Wherever you may be listening, SEN Track 657 here in Perth, uh, SEN Spirit 621 in Bunbury in the southwest, SEN Kalgoorlie 1611 on SEN Peel on DAB Plus or on the SEN WA app. Great to have you on board. Coming up later on, I'll speak to Rodney Ede, of course, uh, the former coach who has coached three AFL clubs, Sydney, Footscray or the Western Bulldogs and also the Suns and probably is exactly knows how David Noble would be feeling at this point in time. We'll talk about the exit of David Noble and what North Melbourne do next and also the other major footy issues during the course of uh, the last few days. So Rodney is going to join us a bit later on. Always a good listen is Rocket Eid. Also, we'll speak to one of the big signings for the Perth Glory. They started their pre-season the other day. This is their first week of their pre-season, a season ahead that they're looking at redemption after what was a uh, terrible season just gone, finishing bottom of the A-League. Of course, they had their COVID issues and they had injury issues, and it really was a terrible time for the Perth Glory collecting their very first wooden spoon. How are they building? We'll speak to Ryan Williams, who's the third brother of the Williams family to play for the Perth Glory. So Ryan is going to join us. Reese and his twin brother, Aaron, have both played for the Perth Glory in years gone past. And we'll speak to Ryan a bit later on on the program as well. Of course, tonight is State of Origin night. And very shortly, I'll play a bit of uh, State of Origin Queensland captain, a legend, in more ways than one, Cameron Smith. He had a brief chat with Jared Waitley on SEN earlier today, and I'll just feature a bit of that interview as uh, the build-up to State of Origin 3 really ramps up now. At Suncorp Stadium there in Brisbane, it's tied at one all, and we're heading towards Game 3. But the other big story is, and uh, on behalf of everybody at SENWA, we pay our condolences to uh, Willie Rioli Jr. and the Rioli family on the passing of Willie Rioli Sr., who passed away in the Northern Territory yesterday at the young age of 50. And, of course, Willie Rioli Jr. has flown up to the Northern Territory and has been given a leave of absence by the West Coast Eagles and 
won't be playing in the game this weekend against Hawthorne at the MCG. So, again, we pass on our condolences to the Rioli family. The other big news, and you probably heard it in the run home with uh, Hazen Damo, is that uh, Lance Franklin's career at Sydney could basically be over. And with reports, the AFL grade is set to retire or find a third club due to a low ball contract offer. Now, Franklin is coming to the end of his historic nine-year, $10 million deal that saw him make the shock move, as we know, from Hawthorne to the Swans back in 2013. And reports are suggesting the Swans are only prepared to offer the 35-year-old around half of his current yearly wage to play on in 2023. His wage packet around now is about $700,000 to $800,000 a year. And the other story that's brewing is that Carlton... Today, uh, news suggesting they could receive compensation if Liam Jones joins another AFL club at season's end. Jones, as we know, refused to meet the AFL's vaccine mandate last year and subsequently retired, despite still having a year to run on his contract. But the key defender who's been playing in the QAFL this year has previously declared he hasn't given up over playing in the AFL again with recent suggestions that the league could possibly lift its uh, current vaccine mandate later this year, even though we hear that Melbourne is now uh, going through another COVID scare. Uh, Under AFL rules, a contracted player, by the way, that retires can't return to play for another club for 18 months. That would mean Jones couldn't play for one of the 17 other teams until after the 2023 mid-season draft. So we'll have to see what happens. Reportedly, uh, Jones was seen meeting... Essendon list manager Adrian Dodoro informally in Queensland last week, which got the speculation going. But there's still the fallout to David Noble's sacking and the demise at North Melbourne. Reportedly, it had its origins in concerning feedback provided to senior management by staff and players. As we know, his 38-game tenure, only five wins in that time. Noble became the first chess piece to fall as part of the ongoing review into the struggling club's football operations. And the feedback from staff and players reportedly raised red flags and the club was forced to cut Noble loose. Now, a man that uh, is regarded as one of the legends of the North Melbourne Football Club is David King. He played 241 games for North Melbourne. He's a two-time premiership player for the club. That seems a long time ago when you're considering where North Melbourne is now back in 1996 and 1999. And he was uh, asked about what the process would be now for North Melbourne in replacing David Noble. If North Melbourne asked you yeah. to participate in this, David, who would be your first three phone calls? Yeah. In order. Yeah. Okay, in order. He's very specific on that, Jerry, isn't he? Um, look... I think North Melbourne needs someone like Ross Lyon. I would ring Ross Lyon and I would say, look, 13 years at St Kilda and Frio and you've had great success. You've been a disciplinarian. You've set standards. You've been, you've been the same with player one as player 20 in terms of what's required, preparation, performance, the whole lot. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You've got a great knowledge of, of people around the industry, would be able to bring a, a pit crew w- you know, with him that, that he'd be able to endorse, whether that be recruiting or assistant coaching or development. And you give him the job for four to five years and you say, you are the man, what can we do to help you? 
That would be my first call. Now, he may not want to do that. He may not want the job. I don't know whether he's... It may be a very quick phone call, Jared. Yeah, and that's the, the whole process is finding out. So who's your second phone call? Well, I think you've got to ring Alistair Clarkson. There's no doubt about that. He knows the place. He's, he's, he's spent some time there, 17 years at the Hawks, 26 finals, um, tactically outstanding. He's an innovator, all those sorts of things. Um, my only reservation is, is he a believer in the draft? Because I think there's still a lot of drafting to be done to get this list back to where it needs to be. And I don't know if he's still got that, that belief. And if he's not, um, then I think you've got to find out from the AFL what's going on with these priority picks. Because that's got to be part of the, part of the sell. Yep. Um, but you've certainly got to be asking Alistair. There's, there's no doubt about that. But you can't blow the bank on the rest of your football club just to get Alistair. And your third call? Well, that, I, third call was an interesting one. So if you can't get either of those two gentlemen then I think you're back to the absolute process of it all. And you run a proper process. I felt, so, I felt sorry for Robert Harvey last time this job was up. I don't think he got a fair run, OK? So put that on the table. I think that right now Adam Uze, Ash Hansen, Daniel G and Sirica, those guys are, are top of the tree of the next in, in line. But I wouldn't necessarily be ringing those guys. I'd be saying, you need to, you know, we want you to apply and it is a genuine race against... And you pick... Three, four, five, but whatever you want to interview, you pick those those guys and you tell them that's it. And then you go after the support crew, and this is where it gets really interesting. Choco Williams is a must if you're going to have a young coach. Leon Cameron, a must. I, I would go for these types of guys. James Hurd, hey, come and do your two years back in the system with us before you put your hand up to coach again. And, and get things rolling from a support crew uh, side of things to support that guy who's going to be inexperienced and, and you can't have another failure just because of inexperience. So that's where I would go. You may need help with a soft cap. I think the AFL have got to, got to recognise the kangaroos need help. OK, David King, uh, two-time premiership player with North Melbourne, regarding what he feels should be the process and who maybe the North Melbourne kangaroos should target to succeed David Noble. The other story that's interesting is that the Western Bulldogs coach, Luke Beveridge, has told Bailey Smith to let his football do the talking as the star midfielder seeks to repay his teammates in his return game against St Kilda. Now, Smith has missed the Bulldogs' past four matches through suspension over separate uh, headbutting and illicit drug use incidents. Here's what Bevo had to say after his conversation with Bailey Smith. Oh, I said to him I was probably more concerned about the headbutt than what happened at the end of last year. And, uh, you know, he he's moved on from from all that from from last year so you know he was obviously frustrated with him, himself in regards to that but he you know we all know that you know he's putting all the he's put all the right things in place and and you know we manage and support him with his well-being here um, as well as anyone can and and I, I just think you know he Bailey's a, the type of competitor that turns up early to games and winds himself up and um, and absolutely wants to be the best player out there for his, his club and his teammates. And we sort of almost um, flies in the face of, you know, trying to take the edge off and, and creating some calmness, you know, in your life. He, he's just a fierce competitor. So um, my, my conversation with him is more around discipline, making sure that he, um, you know, he plays his best footy um, within the rules and... Uh, and we, we don't lose him again in, uh, 
how we have after the Geelong game. It's a big one, isn't it? The Dogs have fallen out of the top eight in that time with losses in their last two outings against Brisbane and Sydney and really Friday night's clash with the Saints at Marvel Stadium. It's not far off being a, a virtual elimination final with both sides desperate to keep their realistic top eight hopes alive. Should be a great game of footy. The other issue has been regarding players ducking and getting the high contact and also possibly a free kick. There's been many that have been very worried about the concussion mandate and maybe one day with a player ducking like Jack Ginevan and as Luke Shuey has done during his career and others, of incurring serious injury. It's a concern and it certainly caused a bit of division. Now, Ray Chamberlain has had his thoughts on it. Of course, he experienced AFL umpire regarding high contact. This is what he had to say. So, for instance, ducking, right, that's quite obvious. Yeah, so player head up, not head down over the ball, gaining possession. Player comes up, player drops their head down. That's, a re- that's one that we're, we, can, we can manage that. So, at the moment, if you duck, that's deemed to be a prior opportunity. So, we don't penalise you for ducking, but you've lost your rights. Yeah? So, I find that one we can do. Um the one where they hook the arm, shrug and lift, there's this obvious physical tell where you've got the arm goes up above your head, basically. And I think of, and I don't mean to pin individuals, and I know these guys, I don't think they'll take offence, but you, you think of Shuey a few years ago and that type of, the, it, it, you can pick those ones up. The lowering, so where you go through the, the trap door, that is much harder. That is incredibly difficult. Not when you're on the couch and you've got six camera angles and you can review it. We can all pick them out then. But one go, mate, you think holding the ball and tackling is hard to read now? Yeah. Nah. I I, I personally think they would be incredibly challenging to find consistency and accuracy across the board. There you go. That's uh, Ray Chamberlain, experienced AFL umpire regarding that. Interesting, Isaac Heaney from the Sydney Swans. Of course, Sydney play Fremantle here on the weekend, gave his thoughts on uh, that program last night about drawing high free kicks. I'm not a massive fan of it, but I guess it's um, I guess pushing the, the, the rules a little bit. And um, if it's if it's within the rules, it's, it's within the rules. And I think there's there's two ways you can look at it. It's, um, it's obviously uh, not, a, not ideal for the head. Um, obviously, it could open up other opportunities for you to get head knocks and, and whatnot. And we're, we're trying to protect the head these days. And uh, the other way, you're, you're drawing free kicks and potentially kicking goals. And, and I mean, if I get a free kick, kick goal, I'm going to take it any day of the week. But... Um, it's becoming more and more prevalent and I'm not a massive fan of it, but um, I believe it's like AFL is one of the hardest games to umpire. So um, it's a tough job for the, for the umpires and, and they're doing a great great job at the moment. And there's always going to be those, those questions thrown around. So yeah, it's a, it's a tough subject. So there you go. That's Isaac Keeney. By the way, uh, just some other sporting news. Australia's home ODI series against South Africa has been cancelled, opening the door for more international stars to feature in the Big Bash League. Now, the Proteas have pulled out of the three ODIs in January, scheduled for Hobart, Sydney, and here at Perth's Optus Stadium due to the new 2020 league in SA. So the changes are, uh, is that the matches involving the South Africans, we've lost one, but we've picked up on October the 9th the Australians' men team will take on England here at Optus Stadium on October the 9th. And what about last night? Uh, England being humiliated by India during the opening one-day international at the Oval. 
Uh, Jaspeth Brumera took six for 19. England were demolished for 110 in just 25.2 overs and led by Indian captain Rohit Sharma, who hit an unbeaten 76. They won by 10 wickets. And just before we take a break, Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy have endorsed the R&A, that is the Royal and Ancient uh, Scotland decision at St Andrews, to snub Greg Norman from the 150th celebrations at the Open, saying the Australians' breakaway Saudi-backed LIV tour is not good for golf. Greg has has done some things that I I don't think that's in the best interest you know of our game, and we're coming back to probably the most historic and traditional place um, in in our sport, and uh, I, I believe it was the right thing. I know that the, what PGA Tour stands for and what we have done, and what the tour has given us the ability to uh, chase after our careers and to earn what we get um, and the trophies that we have been able to play for and the history that have has been a part of this game. Uh, I know Greg tried to do this, you know, back in the early 90s. Um, it didn't work then and um, he's trying to make it work now. And I still don't see how that's in the best interest of the game. And uh, that's uh, Tiger Woods. We'll take a break, come back more in a moment here on Drive with Peter Vlahos. The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmark, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. Yes, we're going to clear another early break in a moment because uh, I'm going to have a chat to Rodney Ead, quite an extended chat with Rodney Ead, uh, talking about a number of subjects. But uh, just repeating that the decider is here. State of origin glory is about to be decided across 80 thrilling minutes of action in Brisbane's Suncorp Stadium. Gets underway at the top of the hour. Both the New South Wales Blues and the Queensland Maroons are level at one all in the series. The bookmakers may be tipping a New South Wales victory but history shows a clear pattern of success for Queensland in Game 3 series deciders, especially those played at home. The Maroons have claimed victory in eight of the last nine Game 3 series deciders. So there you go. And they've emerged victorious in nine of the last 12 Game 3s where deciders or not. So it should be an absolute beauty. And, of course, you can catch it live on the... uh, SEN app. Just uh, check it and you can uh, listen to State of Origin. Gets underway around about six o'clock tonight, our time. Rodney Ede is next. The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmark, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. Welcome back to Drive with uh, Peter Vlahos. Great to have your company on this Wednesday. Not forgetting, also on Thursday night, Kim Hagdorn joins us in studio. Of course, respected commentator, journalist, and a man that breaks news, and he's already done it so far this season. He'll be in for AFL team selections night tomorrow from 5 here on SENWA. But let's speak to a gentleman who uh, has been a coach. He coached nearly 380 games of football, actually, with three clubs, Sydney Western Bulldogs and the Gold Coast. And, of course, was a 200-plus game player for Hawthorne and, of course, ended his career at the Brisbane Bears. We're talking about Rodney Ede, and he joins us here on SENWA Drive with Peter Vlahos. Rod, thanks for your time. 
No worries, Peter. How's things? Oh, All very right? well, thanks. Yeah, interesting. I can't believe the footy season's almost done and dusted. It goes very quickly, doesn't it? It does, and uh, especially uh, for teams who don't get a good start and they're on the chase. So uh, make, uh, we're getting to the finish line pretty quickly. So, um, uh, But it does go on a flash, that's for sure. Yeah, maybe I can ask you that question regarding getting to the finish line. If you look at the top eight, of course, Richmond had a hiccup. Uh, Sydney won last week. Frio now equal with Melbourne and Brisbane. Uh, what are your thoughts on the landscape heading into yeah. the business end of the season? Um. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty tight, isn't it? It's uh, probably the most even season we've uh, we've seen for such a long, long time, and uh, uh, probably up to twelve teams now. Port Adelaide have put themselves back in the mix uh, after a horror start at the you know, zero five, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a pretty even pretty even season. Even the teams at the top, like Geelong, now in form, but that can change pretty quickly. So injuries are going to play a major part. Um, I think it's great for the competition that it is so even. And um, obviously your team over there, Peter, is uh, going extremely well, the Dockers, which is great to see. How do you rate Fremantle now with Nat Five playing his best game since his return last week and will probably only get better heading towards the finals? Oh, I think it's a huge bonus, isn't it? And I think um, it's. I think he's been handled extremely well as, as he managed position-wise and whatever, and you wouldn't be surprised first game in the final that he starts in the centre square. I know the young blokes have done a good job but just having such a imposing figure in there. But uh, I just liked his words. Um, I don't know which game it was. Might have been his first game back um, playing at home and he said, you know, he was asking Brayshaw and it's the wrong where to stand. And uh, so it was like that he's not the Messiah. Um, I think he'd still be their best player. But I think... Uh, I think his mindset shows me that he, you know, he's going to be there to assist to get um, team success. And I thought at the weekend they threw him in at the right time, and he actually changed the game. So I think it's a, I think it's an enormous plus for the Dockers. Having a look at the West Coast Eagles now uh, in the game against Carlton, two quarters where they didn't even hit the scoreboard. It was zero-zero uh, in the first and final term. They kicked seven goals in the second quarter to get back in the game. And, of course, it was a pretty competitive third term. Carlton by two goals to one. But in the end, how does a football club go from not scoring to seven goals in the second term and back in the contest not scoring in the final term? It was bizarre. We couldn't uh, fathom exactly what was going on. Yeah, I think you used the right word, bizarre. It's like teams can start really well then just fall away with fitness or whatever or start poorly then claw their way back in but having zero as the bookends um, doesn't uh, doesn't make sense I mean you can get jumped that's fine and and then they've fought their way back I think their second quarter show they've still got a lot of talent there I mean they they played really good footing Carlton were a good side and uh, but whether Carlton just uh, up the ante and and the Eagles couldn't go with it, or whether it's you know there is a fitness because they've had a lot of illness and injury and players coming back, and maybe collectively, maybe not physically being attuned to it. I'm not, I'm not too sure, but uh, certainly it showed, showed that second quarter, and I think they you know they week before that they've got still got some talent. And they're going to cause some teams some trouble, but I think it was a great win by the Blues. I think it was a bit of a danger game going to Perth, uh, especially with the Eagles getting their players back. But uh, obviously the season is lost for the Eagles, but I think. They're such a proud club, then they're not going to be a side that wants to just fade away. And 
hopefully get uh, second last or last and get a good draft pick. I think they're going to want to win as many games as they can. Interesting in this morning's West Australian and Trevor Nisbet, the CEO of the West Coast Eagles, basically has come out and said, hands off, Adam Simpson will be coaching us to the end of his contract. So they're pretty strong in the West Coast Eagles on keeping Simo, even though there's been sort of undercurrents that maybe North Melbourne may make an approach. Can I ask you also about the West Coast Eagles? We saw Josh Kennedy kick his 700th goal for the West Coast Eagles last weekend. Who would have thought after, of course, he reluctantly came back after only playing 22 games for Carlton and kicking 11 goals, that he would become the player he has been for the West Coast. He's been a real warrior, hasn't he, Rod? He has. He's he's been a fantastic player. He um, um, everyone talks about that trade. Who's in front? I don't think it ends up even. I don't. Now, now Judd was a sensational player, but certainly the West Coast Eagles did extremely well out of it also. And uh, he's you know to kick seven hundred goals a great effort. Be the highest goal kicker for the Eagles over their over their time. And um, um, he, he had a great. Knack, you know, he could work up to the wing and uh, take marks, but he had a great knack of kicking goals when the team needed it. And I think some full forwards can get on the end of it and kick ten when they uh, winning easily. But he just had the ability at the right time to end up with a three, four, or five and just kick clutch goals. And uh, I think it's a mark of a very good player. Let's have a look at some of the big events during the course of the week. Uh, they say nine out of ten coaches will experience at some time during their career what happened to David Noble. Your thoughts on it all? And, you know, the day after conducting that press conference yesterday, how would David Noble be feeling today? Oh, he'd be feeling like crap, <laughs> to be honest. Um, it was a pretty tough for him to front up like he did. Like He's handled himself extremely well, even at... Uh, during games and different things. I think he's been quite stoic and uh, uh, projected a, a very good image. Um, uh, but it's tough. I mean, unfortunately, it is a win-loss industry and they didn't give him a lot of time. I mean, one and a half years or nearly two years is not a lot of time, really, when you've raised the earth and uh, uh, got rid of all your experienced players and you've only got kids, even though the pre- Former president said, oh, we'll be playing, we'll, you know, we'll be challenging in three years' time, which is which is um, pie in the sky stuff." So, um, look, I don't know, you know, the machinations behind and what's going on. You hear rumours and all that, and I'm sort of always on the coach's side, but he certainly didn't get a lot of time. But it probably, well, once all the noise starts, um, it's just consistent that eventually the coach goes, and uh, there's been a lot of noise around it. Uh, they had their best performance on the weekend or second best performance on the weekend and he goes. So this is unfortunate. Um, unfortunate, as we all know, the coach, it's easiest one to get rid of because then everyone starts afresh and, you know, it's probably the best decision in the end because I don't think he could really get above what was happening as, as far as I think he was getting downtrodden by the media and all the noise. Um, it was just unfortunate for him. Mm, saying that, if you were the decision maker, do they need someone that's very experienced and very wise or can they go maybe to the next tier and look at a, a rebuilding coach or someone that's got a bit of a critique or a CV when it comes to developing players? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I don't think since the great John Kennedy... They haven't had a first-year coach, so um, so it's 1980, whatever it was, 85, mm. whatever it was. Um, not that that's going to make a decision. 
I think they will probably go for an experienced coach. They, an idea could be you could couple both is uh, get an experienced coach. Try and more importantly is get the best development person around, and because development I think is more important than recruiting. Now I think what you've what you've got on your deck is develop them into the hill, try and improve them as quickly as possible. I think that's your most important thing. They could even go an experienced coach and have an handover that learns his trade. And that's it. I know it's a difficult situation at the moment, but it's got a bit of development bent, but can learn the, the ropes as well. So it's interesting times for the Kangas, but I really got a feeling they'll go for an experienced coach. We'll try to. Uh, Rod, of course, the other talking point during the week, and you know Jack Ginnivan, and we've even seen Luke Shuey about the ducking situation, uh, and a lot of conjecture on how the umpire should interpret that. Should it be a free kick if a player ducks? Because these days they often duck, get taken high, and of course they win the free kick. Uh, and we know that the concussion protocol is top of mind for the AFL these days. What do you see is the best way forward? Yeah, it's an interesting one, Peter. I, I think that what the rules in for the Selwood um, situation, I, I think if you contribute, contri- the player with the ball contributes to the high tackle, it's not a free kick. Like if they duck into it, um, if they cause the action. So I suppose Ginnivan's taken to a different level. I think he lowers his body and starts low more than what Selwood did. Selwood would actually take the tackler on and then shrug through strength. Um, and get a, a, quite a few free kicks. I think I think Genevan does both, but I think all power to him. It, you still got to protect the ball player. We can talk about okay, is he contributing to it? Does he lower his body? Whatever, but it's still cognizant on the or up to the tackler to tackle correctly. So you still got to protect Genevan in this case. You still got to protect him if he's got the ball. He's prepared to win the ball, so he's gone searching for it, but. Again, we're going to make it more difficult for the umpires. He's got to decide now, has he dropped his body? Has Does the tackler first point of contact on the arm or the shoulder and not around the neck, and then he's thrown his shoulder up and contributed? So it's a lot for the umpire to take in. It's a really tough one. And uh be interested to see where they where they take it. So as is the same with the... Uh, uh, with the concussion, I mean, he could contribute to his own concussion by taking something and knocks around the head, I suppose, as as Selwood could over his career. So I don't think they can really outlaw that, but they've got to protect the player first, but then obviously be aware that if he contributes to it, I don't think it's a free kick. Mm. And as we let you go, of course, a proud Tasmanian by birth. And last time I spoke to you, of course, the Tasmanian AFL team, was in some ways top of the agenda. There will be a decision made before the season's out or the year's out, I believe. Have you heard any more there in the, the heartland on where it all sits? No, I haven't. I haven't heard anything. I've got a, I've got a feeling that they'll get a kick. Um, I don't think they can afford not to, to be honest. Um, I, but I think it'll be a 19th team. They're not going to relocate any side. No team's going to want to go in Tasmania. don't want a team to relocate. So... Um, I think uh, an 19th team, I think uh, they'll get the, the tick for licence in, in how many years, from three or four, they start a team up, I'm not too sure. I think they need to. I think it has been heartland. I think if they don't, the legacy will be of McLaughlin and the AFL that that won't be heartland anymore. It'll go to basketball and soccer, um, which will be a real shame. So um, hopefully, and I think I've got a feeling the AFL want 
want the team in. It's just how how it looks and whatever. And people, you know, presidents are saying not only the financial model. I think the financial model will be okay because uh, the government are going to sponsor it each year for ten million dollars. Like there's five major sponsors. Um, but is the players that is the dilution of uh, players? Uh, I think there's too many players on the list now. So if we made the list 35 instead of 40, or 38 instead, or 36 instead of 38. Everyone gives up two players on the list. That's that's equivalent to what Tassie going to have. So it's exactly the same amount of players. So there's, mm. I think there's ways around about every every complaint about having a Tasmanian team in. Uh, love talking to you, Rocket. Uh, you make a lot of sense. Uh, you're a very astute man when it comes to AFL footy. Thanks for spending a few moments with us uh, here on the program this evening, and and we'll keep in touch. No worries, Peter. Great to chat. Gee, makes a lot of sense. Great to have him on the program. Uh, Rodney Eads, uh, every now and then I invite him to join us here on Drive with Peter Vlahos. Thanks to Toolmart, the complete uh, tool centre, and certainly gave us a nice little spin on some of the major issues during the course of the week, being David Noble being sacked and, of course, uh, the ducking ruling on the back end of certainly some of the players uh, exposing their bodies to maybe serious injury and how it should be interpreted. Uh, thanks, Rodney Eade, for your time. We'll take a break. On the other side of the break, we will speak to one of the new additions to the Perth Glory squad. They started training this week and this gentleman had his two other brothers also go through the Perth Glory ranks. I'll introduce you to him after this here on Drive with Peter Vlahos. The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmark, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. Welcome back to Drive with Peter Vlahos on this Wednesday. Uh, The Perth Glory may be out of season, but this week they started pre-season training. And, of course, they've been very active in the recruiting market under Andy Keogh, who now, the former star player, is the head of recruitment. And together with the new coach in Ruben Zadkovic, have certainly added some name players and very good players to their squad. And one of those I'm about to have a chat to now, he is a local. He was born in Subiaco, played at ECU, Joondalup, before he went abroad about a decade ago to try his wares overseas. And let me tell you, it's been with some great success at clubs like Portsmouth, Rotherham, also Oxford United, where he finished his career in England before coming back to the Perth glory. And we're talking about Ryan Williams. And the Williams name has been synonymous with the Perth glory. And we welcome the third member of the family, as far as the brothers are concerned, to the Perth Glory. Ryan, thanks for your time. Hi, mate. Thanks for having me. Yeah. What's it like following in the footsteps of your two older brothers and playing in the team in purple? Uh, I've always tried to follow in Reese's footsteps, and uh, it's a shame that we couldn't all play here together. That would have been something, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would have been great. Was it ever when you were growing up? Because you grew up in Perth, as I mentioned, ECU, Joondal, the Perth Glory around. Did you just have a chat at all to think maybe one day we might play in a professional team together? To be honest with you, no, we never really had that conversation. We never, we always kind of wanted to play at the highest level possible, but we always had a real soft spot for uh, for glory with obviously us going to games as kids and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it could have, it could have maybe happened, but um, but yeah, I think we kind of just all crossed different paths at the time. So, um, but yeah, luckily enough, we're all able uh, to at some point of. Played for Perth Glory. Saying that, uh, the Williams name has been synonymous with football here in this city. Of course, Dad Eric was a very good player in the local state league. How's he going? 
Yeah, good. I mean, he always tells us that he was better than us, but <laughs> on paper, I don't think he was. Yeah, he's good. Uh, and like you said, we've um, we've always had a good connection with the uh, with football here in Perth. Probably started with my dad, uh, you know, knowing the older boys and whatever, and then um, us coming through the ranks as kids at Joondalup and when Reese was at Sereno and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, we've always enjoyed football here and loved it here in Perth. So we were always. I was always going to come back to pay, play for Perth Glory, and Reese and Aaron obviously did as well. What about your twin brother? How's he going? Yeah, good. He's over at uh, over in Melbourne at the moment, playing for Oakley Cannons. So he's um, he's enjoying himself. Yeah, which is the NPL competition, isn't it, over there in Victoria? Can it I is, yeah. can I ask you what lured you from Oxford United back to the Perth Glory? Um, I think it's just the right time for me. Uh, I've got two kids now. We had no family over there, and I just wanted to change. I've been over there about 10, 10, 11 years. I wanted to. I've always wanted to come back and play in Australia, and it just was the right time. I caught up with Andy when I was back, Andy Keir, last time, and um, yeah, we had a conversation, and the conversations turned to me signing a piece of paper with me coming back home with the family. Um, I spoke to Ruben as well, and Ruben was a real big big factor in me coming because of his, his vision and his ideas for what he wants for the club and it's a club which I love um, so it's just something I really wanted to be a part of so um, it made it a, to be fair in the end a pretty easy decision. And looking at Andy Keogh's appointment as head of recruitment of course he's been instrumental in getting people like yourself and also the other players to the Perth glory. You've only had one week of training, in fact only a few days what's the feeling amongst the squad with so, so many new faces? Uh, the first week's always a bit of a, a bit of a buffer, really. You just kind of nothing really gets going until the second week. Um, but the feeling's good. We've got a new facility down there at, um, at Fremantle Oval, uh, and it's really, really good to spend some money on that. So even just with them spending a bit of money on on the facilities for us, kind of tells you where the club's kind of direction wants to go because they're putting it back into the players, and they want us to obviously perform better, which means better results, means further up the table. So that's hopefully the direction that we're going to go this season. You played with Oxford United last season in League One, which is a very good competition. Of course, uh, Sunderland uh, got promoted uh, in the playoffs from League One. They're up in the championship now. And, of course, Oxford were challenging as well uh, during the course of the season. Yeah, season before that, um, oh, I wasn't at the club at the time. We, we, we got to play playoff semi-final the year before that was I think it was the playoff final so we've kind of just missed out the last few years to be honest with you uh, which has been pretty heartbreaking but it's, it's just the way it is over there um, it's very cutthroat it's very very competitive um, so yeah Sunderland were lucky enough to get out this season um, but there's teams like Sheffield Wednesday and stuff as well who are Big, big teams that are down there, Ipswich, you know, that mm. shouldn't really be down there, but they are. So um, it's a good competition. Um, obviously not televised too much over here, but, uh, yeah, there's some big there's some big teams in that league. Yeah, we see the odd uh, League One uh, games on BN Sports. I certainly followed the playoff game, of course. Uh, Sunderland uh, getting through over Wickham Wanderers. Uh, it was a it was a good match, but Sunderland too strong. Saying that, why did you decide to leave Oxford United? Because at this stage, 28 years of age, there's still plenty of football in Ryan Williams. That's pretty much exactly the point. I didn't want to come back to Australia uh, when I was 32, 33 and think oh, I'm here for a holiday. I actually wanted to come here and 
kind of try and put my stamp on on Perth and, and leave a mark when I'm when I'm in a really, really good age to give some of my best performances and I think probably my best football is yet to come. So that's pretty much the reason I wanted to come at, at a at an earlier age and maybe some people come back to Australia but just because I wanna actually try and do something really productive and positive and hopefully um, leave a mark on the on the football club and the and the city itself. Well, it was a disastrous season, really, from a results point of view. It was tough uh, because of COVID and other factors last year for the Perth Glory. Injury didn't help them as well. They finished bottom of the league. Uh, do you reckon there can be a quick turnaround? A hundred percent. You can all, you can already see it at the club uh, with the new faces that they brought in and the different the different staff and the way the club's running already. Yeah, I think that's just one of them freakish kind of seasons um, and you definitely won't be seeing us at the bottom of the league this year. Saying that, are you looking forward to coming up against your uh, brother, Reese uh, when you do play the Western Sydney Wanderers? That'll be a nice little sidelight to the game. Yeah, that will be. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, hopefully I can get one-on-one with him at some point. <laughs> what will it be like? You know, generally, I know it's a long way off at the moment because the season is still a few months away. But saying that, maybe a day or two out and you've got the clash against uh, the Wanderers, how do you think you both will be feeling? Because you wouldn't have played against each other uh, very often. Yeah, we've only actually played against each other once before, which was my professional debut. So over in over in England, I was at Portsmouth, he was at Middlesbrough. And um, so the first game I ever played professionally, he was on the other team and he actually scored that day. Um, and the only other t- and the only other time we've been involved football-wise is um, with the national team. I made my debut against Korea a couple of years ago and he was there in the squad as well. So for some reason he always ends up being a big... Yeah, he's always there when uh, there's some big milestones for, for me. Mm. Talking to Ryan Williams, uh, one of the big uh, recruits for the Perth Glory for the coming season. Ryan, you left as a teenager. As you mentioned, you went to Portsmouth. You had stints at Barnsley and Rotherham, uh, back at Portsmouth, Oxford United. Uh, you now come back as a father of two. Um, how much have you changed? How much have you matured from that uh, little teenager that left Western Australia chasing his dream? Yeah, a lot's changed since then. Um, yeah, I think I've just matured. Obviously, not only as a probably matured as a person pretty quickly, just obviously moving out there by yourself. But um, as a footballer, I've matured a lot. And like I said, I'm at a really good age to to go and um, give Perth Glory my best years, you know. And and some of the experience, well, a lot of the experience that I've gained over these ten years in England will. Um, We'll, we'll really need it this season. So mm. I'm looking forward to, to to playing. I can't wait to um to get the to, to get the Perth Glory shirt on. Yeah, no, looking forward. It should be fantastic. Uh, you would have come up against last year, possibly. Was it uh, Mark Beavers, uh, the defender who's been recruited from Peterborough to the Perth Glory? Did you just come up against each other in League One last season? In fact, they've dropped from the Championship, haven't they, Peterborough? They're back in League One this season. Yeah, no, I've, I've played against them over the years. I, play, I think I've played against them in the Championship a few times, a couple times in League One, I think. So, so yeah, we know of each other and that. So, he's a, he's, he's a really good player and a really... A, uh, a really good signing for us. Mm, good stuff. All right, thanks for joining us, Ryan. We appreciate it. I know you're in the car commuting around Perth. Does it feel like you, nothing has changed in Perth, or have you noticed a considerable change in the city that you were born in? Yeah, big big changes everywhere, obviously, from a construction point of view, but it's still the same old Perth. 
which is good, which is how I want it, really. So, yeah, good stuff. So I'm excited to, to, to be back around friends and family. And we're excited to have you here, mate, as uh, the Perth Glory grow uh, to be uh, a force in the A-League next season. Thanks for your time. We appreciate it. Thanks, mate. Ryan Williams, great to have a chat to him. As uh, we mentioned in the chat, his two brothers also played with the Perth Glory, including his true brother Aaron. And, of course, his father, Eric Williams, was synonymous with local football for many years, uh, certainly during the 80s and 90s. So the Williams family, very strong when it comes to local football. And no doubt Eric would be pretty proud that the third son is playing for the Perth Glory next season. That's the program for tonight. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, to, of course, tomorrow night is AFL Team Selections Night and Kim Hagdorn will join us in the studio from 5 o'clock. Drive with Peter Vlahos has been brought to you by Toolmart, the complete tool centre. You always get the right tool from the start. See you tomorrow from 5 here on SENWA.